Hello and welcome to Conversations with Mother Earth, brought to you by Grounded Press. My name is Dana Petrovic, and each week my guests and I explore one aspect of Mother Earth and the gifts that she gives us. We also discuss why these gifts are so precious and why we should value them. We got you curious? Good. We love curiosity. Coffee. Finally, 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 I can talk about coffee. For Conversations with Mother Earth, episode number one, I shared a talk about organic chocolate. Now, after more than 20 other episodes and towards the end of the series, it's time to talk about another tasty treat, namely coffee. Whether we are coffee imbibers or not, we all are familiar with how coffee can affect our mood. And the internet is filled with memes how of, uh, about coffee addiction. I and many of my acquaintances love coffee and we are not alone. Over 60% of Americans do as well. Among the Europeans, the Dutch lead the list of coffee lovers and the Italians, which was really a surprise to me, are in the lower half of EU countries. Even here in China, the number of coffee lovers is growing rapidly and the Starbucks can be found on almost every corner in major cities. And homegrown Chinese franchise brands like Luckin Coffee further drive the growing demand for coffee consumption. Coffee, however, is not only a beverage that supplies us with our morning energy boost. More importantly, it also fuels our social connections. In my native country of Croatia, having a coffee with friends offers a reason to share the latest gossip, especially if it can also be done as an excuse to escape the office. And in some places in Europe, one's fortune can be predicted from the coffee grounds pattern at the bottom of the cup. Today, our guest on Conversations with Mother Earth is Matthew Rebuk. And although I do not believe he will foretell your future, I invited him because of his ex work expertise gained at Quixote Cafe from Hamburg, Germany, which is setting new standards within the coffee industry. Matt, a very warm welcome to Conversations with Mother Earth. Yes, thank you for the opportunity, Dana. Looking forward to our conversation. Matt, um, Quixote Cafe was recommended to me when I inquired about a coffee roasting company with transparent procedures and standards. What makes Quixote Cafe unique in the coffee industry? Uh, Quixote Cafe is um, it's a collective. Uh, we buy directly from uh, cooperatives that are also democratically structured with whom we maintain long-term relationships. And the focus is on uh, yes, long-term relationships, uh, getting the organic uh, coffee from the uh, fixed teams that are also working in democratic manner. What do you mean with democratic manner? 
it's a cooperative and collective. So the decision making happens together. This is uh, how we work and also uh, the collectives that are responsible for the existence of the coffee. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So, as you mentioned, you work with cooperatives, well, red also small landowners and so on. How do you ensure the quality and the transparency along the supply chain? Um, there's a, unfortunately, in this year, it was not possible in the uh, regular in the regular rhythm. But uh, usually we visit uh, once every year, at least once every year, and have uh, producers also visit us in Hamburg to keep the exchange going on. And since it's uh, the import is an ongoing process, we're in permanent communication uh, with the suppliers. No, so if there's yeah. questions coming up, uh, we can always ask directly because... Uh, import um, requires a few hundred emails anyway. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's, and this is just the work on your side. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, so the wow. communication is permanent, so to speak. Wow, that's, that is very, very... That's a lot. That is an inflow of emails. And the listeners, you and I receive lots of emails per day too. So we know how that feels. And we'll come to the other side of the work. This is just, just the office work. Um, but do you, does your work directly with, with your direct import, with coffee farmers, does this have an effect on your price for consumers? And what is in that, if there is an increased price, what is the value, added value for the consumers? Um, well, we give the prices uh, our one of our key aspects is transparency. So this is one of our core, uh, of the core DNA of Quixote Cafe is that we make our calculation and the prices we pay in origin transparent. So we are just uh, passing this price on to the, uh, to the consumer, so to speak. And if we compare this kind of quality coffee um, with uh, the ones uh, offered by uh, some other roasteries, the price is not necessarily higher because also we have a limitation on uh, the privatization of profits. This is also in our, um, in our uh, baseline, so to speak, that we will not privatize more profit than the average working wage in Hamburg. Okay. Yes, so... Um, and. Therefore, that we're not uh, actively promoting or we're not paying for ads. Um, yeah, and we have quite high volume that we're pushing. Uh, it's, uh, it's possible to offer a very good quality product as a reasonable price. There's also a factor uh, by, which is called the return to origin, which um, uh, communicates how much of the price that the consumers are paying is going uh, is going back to origin, and uh, yeah, our coffees are at around twenty seven to thirty two percent return to origin, is which is relatively high. That's really an interesting thought. Um, so, in a sense, with your company defining that they actually uh, the standard income, a good German income, is enough for them. They don't need to earn more at the cost of somebody else that actually guarantees that everybody has enough doesn't it 
Exactly. Coffee is one of the products that really offer that all the people along the value chain can uh, do good work and have a good income by it. Yeah, and also uh, the profits that we generate above the uh, Hamburg working wage, uh, we invest them either in uh, the company to process more volume or in origin to increase the prices, which has been, uh, yeah, is happening with this harvest because prices all around the world are increasing. Yeah, 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 of course. Of course, we discussed the, the coffee popularity is growing, which if we don't increase them, the amount, it will drive the price up. We know this from economics. That's, um, Matt, um, but you mentioned on, the, on your side, lots of work with coffee. It's not just roasting. It's the whole import process. It's a, all all. The, everything going around. But on the mm -hmm. other side, the farmers who are working with, with the plant itself and who grow coffee, they have the majority of work, actually. Tell us about these farmers. Uh, where, they, where is your coffee from? Um, how much work does actually go into, into the production of a cup of coffee for us in the morning? And maybe can you share some stories with our listeners? Yes, like you said, Dana, the majority of work is really in the origin and also the majority of the risk because to get coffee uh, to, a export, um, to an export feasible state, it's a quite long road. So when you plant the coffee, it's at least two, more likely three years that you can uh, expect starting to harvest. So during all of this time, you have to manage the field, keep it clean, also manage some uh, pests or difficulties mm -hmm. if there are some problems coming up pruning the plant. And then uh, when it comes to the stage that it's bearing fruit, it's uh, also very labor intense to selectively collect the ripe cherries. Then you go to the next stage, which is the processing. So depending on the processing style, you either need some equipment to remove the seed from the fruit and then uh, let it undergo a kind of a fermentation, which always also poses a risk, especially in a tropical country. And then you have to be lucky with the weather to get the coffee dried down without any over-fermentation, mold developing. So also you need space and you need to move it around. It's very labor-intense. And then the final stage, when the coffee is dry enough, um, the transport to the Centro de Acopio, or the, the cooperative where the coffee is being purchased from the, from the cooperative, is the final stage. So it's a lot of work, and it's spanning years from start to uh, first, first export feasible uh, crop mm. uh, harvest. A good yeah. reason to see our next morning coffee in our next maybe while we enjoy with a, a good dose of gratitude uh, in addition to sugar or milk or whatever we add to it. Mm -hmm. A good dose of gratitude for all these workers who are working along the supply chain. I on my side already thank them for their hard work. This, yeah, it's, uh, um, it's a beautiful work also. Uh, the only problem yes. is that it's difficult to uh, make a living income with it because prices, generally speaking, are not uh, many times uh, below production costs. So to produce coffee, of course, you need to pre-finance as a producer. 
And this is one also one of the things that Curotecavi is doing because in order to pay the workers, to get the infrastructure ready and everything, the producer is confronted with costs. And Curotecavi is pre-financing 60% of each harvest to ensure because in the in the cold country, so to speak, we have very reasonable access uh, to credits also. Yes. Generally speaking, we're in uh, the tropical country, credit is very expensive, often 20-30%. So yeah. pre-financing is also crucial to have this, to share this burden of the risk. Well, that's an additional, of course, as a, as a farmer in Kenya, if you walk into a bank, um, not being extremely wealthy or I mean I'm justifying now Kenya is a wonderful country I'm not saying this just came to my mind because we had an episode in Kenya about mm -hmm. the ground as well uh, so this is why I just thought about Kenya I don't want to be I don't want to have any prejudices but in general in any of the other country if you know how it is if you as a farmer without not much income and much money coming to the bank will say how do you secure your um, your loan, yes, that's 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 a very interesting thought that your company thought of. So you actually pre-finance the production. You pre you pre-finance your own coffee. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is, has another advantage that we um, we're uh, kind of securing the supply by this, and we're strengthening the relationship, and also we're sharing the burden of the financing that has to be done anyways. You, have to, you really create a relationship. You really, you really have a bond because you're, the farmer is not left alone with this risk, and you have yes, less risk because you know your your coffee will come in. Yes, with uh, some teams we have been working since ten years, or since eleven years now, and in the uh, now in the crisis when the prices go very high, it has proved uh, the good tactic to maintain this honest long-term relationship because this coffee is still, um, we're still having access to the coffee um, in the same situation that uh, many other cooperatives or many other producers have been tempted to sell the coffee um, on the doorstep to uh, Coyota, so to speak, that offer a higher price because the world market price is so high right now. So, it takes uh, uh, reliability or long-term interest uh, along every step of the value chain. So now it's uh, now it has it has pay, been paying off all the time. But now was a good example of why exactly this practice uh, is good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. When everybody wins in times in times of when everything everything goes right, as we know from life in general, everything we don't feel that. But when time when times get tough. We see who we have exactly, and you have uh, you have your farmers and a strong bond. This is so simple. We, um, this is so simple. It's so brilliant. And my, very often, the simple things are, are at the same time so so brilliant in in their simplicity. So this could become a, a, I don't know a mode to copy for other companies working together. A win win for everybody. That's the only way that we can win. All of us win. Yes, depending on the product, I think uh, this is going to be uh, the future, so to speak, because also this kind of clean quality that we're speaking about, which is really 
clean quality product from a clean ecosystem people working in it um, having a yeah, good condition good life this is the kind of product that you want to consume and especially with the mild drugs so to speak so coffee tea chocolate this uh, are the kind of high value products that are pretty dense that um, yeah there's a growing demand like you also mentioned and just to secure the source this is the way that you're going to have to have to, to work in the future because I think long term more and more teams are gonna uh, get on this uh, are gonna be about the long term yes it's an organic coffee just like it was when we talked about organic chocolate you also supply organic coffee uh, yes, all of the coffees are grown organically and all of them are certified except uh, two teams in the uh, Rio Napo in the Amazon rainforest in Ecuador. Uh, they are not certified, but they're working in a manner that could be not more uh, sustainable. It's a so-called chakra system of growing, which is parcels of one to two hectares. And they're cultivating about 180 different plants there. So it's super biodynamic. They have no certifications, but they're working really clean. And also we do not communicate any certifications such as organic, fair trade, SPP, UTS, um, because the transparency is kind of our certification. We oh, just okay. communicate our calculation. We uh, communicate the source and that's, uh, more valuable to us than uh, to communicate a certification because in this kind of agro agri business, the certification or the the work with the certification is its own kind of business also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, there are some valuable ones, but it's also not always very transparent. Mm -hmm. But it's, uh, I mean, there is more to that uh, because there is also long term effect of paying the farmer a fair price because a family can send children to school. You know, the, the next generation of children is getting educated. If there will be coffee farmers, we will see. But there is a next generation of, of children that can go to school because they don't need, uh, you know, family can afford it. And all of that, we might see an ex-engineer, next who knows what, next astronaut, who knows. But it's because people have a fair share of fair income, which is we in Europe or or in most countries, Western countries take something take for granted. Um, so this it is this, uh, that we can do that just by choosing which coffee we drink it is incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, with everything you consume, coffee is one of the product where you can really tell the difference also flavor wise and coffee is kind of a poster product for uh, fair trade or uh, bad conditions within uh, products grown in the tropical countries. So it's a kind of a famous example, but in the end, it's like this with every product, right? Cotton, sugar, yeah. pepper, absolutely everything. But, you know, with hazelnuts, for example, it's the same topic, so to speak, but people care much less because the differences perceived among different hazelnuts are not so strong, like in different coffees. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and the hazelnut goes as a by it goes into the chocolate, so it's a byproduct, and it's not mm. so much in our so present. You're right. Um, a different, different on a different note. Uh, what occurred to me, I teach the circular economy, 
And uh, in a circular economy, there is no waste um, when producing goods. So what, what I uh, realized uh, is that there are companies from Berlin uh, and Hamburg, another, another company from Hamburg that actually uses the coffee, the shell of the coffee cherry to produce drinks because there is a caffeine in it, although it's not uh, the, the coffee itself, but it mm -hmm. still has quite a bit of caffeine. And they use this shell, which is a waste product. And you, you know how it is with waste products, you know, raw material, cost of buying this raw material are next to nothing because people rather get rid of this. So how is it for, for your company, Quixote Coffee, how do you work with waste? Um, yeah, uh, Cascara, the one you mentioned, is a very interesting product. Actually contains lots of caffeine because it's the fruit, which is, uh, contains the natural insecticide to keep the insects away. And oh, that's really? interesting. Yeah, it's a very interesting beverage and also uh, can be very sweet. And uh, actually to make Cascara to consume is also relatively a lot of work because you got to spread it out and dry it very even, evenly. Uh, so it's I, that's not kind of a waste product, but it's like making reuse of a product that elsewise also would not be waste, but would be turned into fertilizer. Usually the uh, coffee pulp uh, is being turned into fertilizer, but it's definitely generating more value if you uh, can have it as an own beverage. Yeah. Um, within Quixote Cafe, uh, the way we address the byproducts that we generate which is the uh, chaff when roasting the bean and you have the expansion of the bean and there's a small silver skin uh, that's going off and being separated which is about two large buckets a day um, yes we also use that as a fertilizer and just mix it uh, under the soil within the acquaintances yeah and then we have the burlap bags that the coffee is packed in uh, these we sell, and with the uh, profits we generate from that, we invested also in coffee projects such as uh, paying for quality evaluation uh, position, uh, like cupping position in uh, APICAP in Ecuador is one of the projects. And uh, we sell one burlap bag for uh, $3, so it also generates a few thousand, yeah. which is also not waste because you can make parts of it and everything. And then the third uh, byproduct from coffee is uh, after brewing uh, the grounds. I'm sure you know you can make some uh, very nice cosmetical products from it because it contains lots of uh, high value fat. And also just using it as a peeling on your hands. The particles yeah. are also cleansing and you can grow uh, mushrooms in it very well, oyster mushrooms. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it's We're not very, doing very that. Good. Yeah. We're not doing that. We're also using it just in the compost fertilizer, uh, but it's possible. So, yeah, lots of lots of varieties of options. Uh, lots of options with 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 coffee. With coffee based, it's such a valuable product. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, and this is out of curiosity, we all, we read them. Tell our listeners about the major differences because we read this is Arabica type and this is robusta and all that. What is really the difference between these, Matt? Um, Arabica coffee is uh, the highland coffee, like the fine, mild coffee, growing, uh, generally speaking, in altitude between 1,000 and 2,000 meters. It's the fine one. It contains less caffeine, about 1% to 2%. 
the plant is relatively susceptible to pests and the production uh, yeah the production is pretty good and you have uh, one of the most aromatic foods it contains 800 to 1000 uh, volatile aromatic compounds after it's roasted so uh, and also uh, arabica coffee is rooting very deep because uh, yeah um, it's just uh, different in the higher altitude because the nutrients are a little bit more down so also the roots go more deep and yeah like we mentioned caffeine being the natural insecticide up there in the high elevation there's not so many insects whereas robusta coffee which is the lowland coffee it contains lots of caffeine about two to four percent it has massive production the roots uh, go more on the surface of the soil because that whole humus is there so the nutrition of the plant is working a little bit different and uh, yeah, it's about half as complex, about 400 volatile uh, compounds, aromatic compounds. And the flavor profile, whereas Arabica is like fine, floral, sweet, uh, fruity. Uh, Robusta coffee is more like chocolatey, woody. It's more like the base. It's good for espresso. And also there's many hybrids. So um, based on the uh, natural occurring uh, Timor hybrid, which was in the Timor Leste, uh, East Timor. Yeah. Uh, there was two plantations, Arabica and Robusta, and the natural uh, hybrid occurred. Uh, yeah, which is the Timor hybrid, and based on this combined genetic, which is in between two species, um, it was crossed with many other uh, varieties that have good cup characteristics, like. Katura, the dwarf Bourbon, and that's where that whole Katimor family comes from. So hybrids are also a huge topic within coffee, especially in the medium altitude. Yeah, that's a friend of mine comes from Jamaica and she tells me that Blue Mountain coffee, which I do love, is the best in the world. Uh, I do love the Blue, Blue Mountain, but I'm not sure if, if that's the case. I wanted to ask you as a coffee um, expert, is that the, is that the truth? Um, I mean, there's many coffees that are named like the best coffees. And I think from an old school point of view, Blue Mountain is definitely uh, a classic because it's very sweet, uh, pretty full body, very smooth and relatively low acidity, which is typical for island coffees. Now, um, gen uh, among coffee uh, enthusiasts, uh, many times the... Uh, Fine coffees from Jekashev or Central America um, are highlighted as the favorites. But for me, it's all about the variety. It's really the fun. Yeah. I can even enjoy like Lowland Robusta just brewed as a filter because it's always about it's that terroir uh, thought. You know, you're always consuming that coffee from that place. It's interesting that that's different than that. Yeah, generally speaking, I like uh, juicy, full coffees. Yeah. And... If, it, if you look at the country, from which country do you like the coffee the most? Um, if there was only, if I could only drink uh, coffees from one country, it would probably be Colombia because oh, it's really? so, yeah, it's so versatile. There's so many different uh, microclimates and everything, so much, so many varieties, such high skill in processing that you can get kind of every flavor profile from there. But this is uh, true for many countries, so, yeah. Yes. 
yeah. difficult choice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so lots of these countries were hurt by internal events. Colombia was one of them. Uh, we also read a few days ago that Sudan is now growing coffee, a country that was hurt by a really prolonged war. It's, it's not really getting completely to peace as we read from the latest political news, but there are coffee growers in that country, which means mm -hmm. jobs. And that was really good news. So um, when we look at the supply chain, how many people work along this coffee supply chain? How many jobs are created with our love for coffee? Um, there's about 125 million people working full-time in coffee around the world. And uh, yeah, about 25 million of these are producers. Yeah. So uh, coffee is huge. And in many countries, it's also driving economic factor, one of being one of the major export products. And they are generating a, generating a good share of the GDP. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if it's going well with the coffee, that uh, will most likely have a positive impact on, uh, yeah, on the country and maybe a society. Matt, uh, when we look at these countries, uh, we cover a vast, really a vast area around the world, which you call the tropical region where coffee grows, because coffee does not grow in Germany, as obviously, otherwise you wouldn't be importing it. But this... This is so such a diverse area. How uh, how do you see that in in the coffee growing business? This cultural diversity or this historical diversity? How do how is that represented? Uh, yeah, it's very interesting because all across the value chain, you have different customs and traditions and methods to process the coffee. Like in Yemen, just trying to fill fruit on the roofs. And the terrace cultivation, which is yeah, world famous. And uh, yeah, the different style, like the washed coffees in Colombia and the preparation in the sock and then uh, all the different uh, preparation styles. It's just a cultural thing, like you mentioned earlier also, to get together with friends and especially consuming. I think when humans consume something together, that really makes a connection because you're nurturing yourself from the same from the same thing so yeah i think that uh, the coffee culture all along the value chain is also such an interesting topic from different processing styles to different uh, consumption habits coffee can really be a bridge uh, between the people yeah it's a great it's a great connection it's uh, yeah um this makes me also think uh, the growing what you said where it grows I again refer to the episode number uh, five about uh, the soil and how important it is the mm -hmm. quality of soil and how it's grown, how that also goes into us, into our body. And we do mm -hmm. that with coffee too, like we do it with any other, other food we consume, we, coffee also goes into our body. That is truly interesting. That's uh, so much that we, we're enjoying our cup of coffee that we that we actually enjoy so much and we are not even aware of it not only the hard labor but also the cultural differences play a role oh, the culture that goes into growing the different style of growing but also the different style of roasting espresso culture and all of that it's really a combination of many things that make humans like building a coffee shop 
kind of every craft can be realized through coffee. It's a mix of science, art, everything. And so history, logistics, too. History. Logistics, yes, technology, but also history, because some, co some countries are longer coffee growers than the others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, super yeah. interesting. Yeah, especially when we, if you refer back to the chocolate, which I mentioned at the beginning, I mean, we have thousands of years of, of chocolate growing. It's not mm -hmm. something that just is recent phenomenon. It, it was even uh, even money. It was more valuable than, than, than gold and all that. Yeah, our world is so diverse and so beautiful. Thank you for, for, uh, for this um, insight. Yeah, thanks, Anna. This is... A really great conversation. I, I could go for quite some time with you about um, about Kihot Cafe, Cafe and your your work there. And uh, of course, I have to see if I can get your coffee here in China. I doubt that, but I do encourage our listeners to read about uh, your company and to reach out. So how can our listeners find more about Kihot Cafe and how can they get in touch with you? Um, that would be uh, Quixote Cafe. So uh, Quixote, like Don Quixote from the Mancha, Q-U-I-J-O-T-E minus Cafe, K-A-F-F-E-E -E dot D-E. And uh, to reach out would be uh, info at Quixote minus uh, coffee. Info at Quixote Cafe .de. Yes, it's a German company, dear listeners. So Café is written the German way with the K, not with C, like in English, and it's .de. So please bear that in mind. Um, I highly recommend that you do visit the website and that we all support your work all together because together we can, uh, we can make sure that also your company gains more customers and then more and more we reach out to more and more farmers. Thank you so much for joining us today. This was a truly insightful conversation, Matt. Yeah, thank you very much, Kadana. This concludes today's conversation with Mother Earth. Dear listeners, I hope you have found a new renewable energy in a cup now. And that's when you look at that source of your new renewable energy that you appreciate and value so many people who worked hard because with every purchase of a premium coffee, we show our appreciation for their hard labor. This concludes today's conversation. I thank you for joining us. And next week, we will talk about diversity. Stay tuned. <laughs>